0: Zach, I've never I've never sat in a special teams meeting in my life, man. <laughs> An lineman and a quarterback. To I don't know if there's a worse possible combination for, for some special teams analysis.
1: Hello and welcome to at the 55, your home for OUA football. The Thanksgiving slate of games is in the books and I well, maybe we learned something, but I don't know. More confusion is is kind of where I'm sitting right here. Nate, first of all, how's Thanksgiving going for you? How's the how, how are you begrudgingly enjoying your turkey? And, and secondly, did you
0: did you learn anything this weekend? what What are your thoughts coming off of these four games? Well, Zach, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Austria, so no, no turkey for me. You know, <laughs> had the phone call home today, and you know, went out, went out for a nice little schnitzel dinner with a couple colleagues. You know, to get kind of a homey feel. But uh, that's good. But I mean, coming away from this weekend, uh, this is a really a league filled with parody. I don't know if I would call it parodist league. I don't know if that's a word. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, if I'm no, I know for a fact that every single game this week was within one score so I mean we're just getting treated with some good football these days uh looking forward to continuing absolutely and you know what even when the football is not actually good it still kind of feels good
1: because of the kind of parody and all this and uh we're getting to that point now where these games have massive playoff implications um which is crazy to think because we just wrapped up week four but I guess that's what you get in a six week so we six game season um so we'll start off like we normally do we'll start with We'll start we'll start with a little who's back right here. And um, you know, I, I'm gonna give it to a guy that I've talked about a few times uh in uh for the GG's and Dawson O'Day, uh the running back missed 2019 for them, and you know, I guess a bit of a breakout game for him, ended up with 18 carries, 92 yards on the day, five point one on the average. Obviously, we saw in the Panda uh, last week, J.P. Kinda really have his breakout game of the year. And then, unfortunately, he went down with an injury in this one. And, uh, you know, as we'll get to in that one, obviously, you know, losing J.P. is massive. But just put more pressure on Dawson to perform, which he did uh, in, in helping Ottawa pick up the win. So, shout out to Dawson uh, for his performance today. He is my who's back. Nate, who do you got? Uh, I
0: got shitty bus rides, Zach. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. We're looking. I'm, you know, I'm looking at both Toronto teams who made the five and a half, you know, six-hour trip, uh, depending on your level of driver. There up to Ottawa, and both level coming away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you never know how professional. Shots at the I... bus drivers. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, that could be. That could be good level two. That could be good level two. But uh five and a half hours in a single day. You're making that same yeah. trip back. Both experiencing. Heart-wrenching losses on the road. That's not a fun trip to make back home. And maybe a little bonus. I'll throw Mac in there as well. Probably their longest bus trip of the year in the OUAOS going out to Windsor. And similar scenario there. Uh, kind of playing, I guess, a good game at times, but completely capitulating down the stretch and uh having to sit with that for a couple hours on your way home is uh not the best feeling so that's what I got some some shitty bus rides are back for some OUA clubs
1: I'm gonna throw this at you You though we didn't prepare it so my apologies if you you don't have anything quite ready but what's what's the go-to movie for Nate Hobbs on the bus ride were you a movie guy are you a music are you trying to get some homework done what was the what was your uh, move on those long bus rides
0: I was going for like music and podcasts, mostly, you know, nothing too exciting, just trying to trying to relax. And, and a lot of times, you know, if it's same day trip, obviously, I'm trying to maybe get a bit more sleep, but uh, actually I actually have a funny bus story. I'll throw out there. Um, <laughs> when I was growing up, you know, our local team, you know, Mississauga Warriors, we made a a trip down to North Carolina for a little, you know, mini football tournament thing. And and you know, first day or whatever, we're on the bus. You know, you, you throw a movie on, right? Obviously, we're a bunch of like 13 year old kids. You got to entertain us. Um, so they throw in the movie The Water Boy, which, you know, a pretty solid football movie, right? So Bobby Boucher, man, of course. No complaints. <laughs> the movie proceeds to get stuck inside the DVD player. Classic. So for the duration of the trip, we are watching The Water Boy over and over <laughs> and over. <laughs> and over again so you can only imagine um i've watched it enough for about several lifetimes so if you ever want any quotes uh just ask me and maybe we can do a little role play later on at some point
1: what's your stance on h2o versus gatorade
0: (laughs) water sucks it really (laughs) really sucks
1: (laughs) oh that's excellent you know i feel like uh since we're going to ovfl reference i feel like uh, you know, back on the Metro Toronto Wildcat days, I feel like 300 was always a go-to just to pop in. Um But I feel like when I was at Guelph, I tried to, I like to bring like my books to be able to. Oh, Zach, he's studying. I'm Zach's really a, just like he's a, he's a scholar. scholar. He's a, a scholar. scholar. <laughs> Not once an academic all Canadian, but that's all right. We're doing okay now. Let's move over to our players of the week. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to give my tip of the cap to the guy who bit of a spoiler alert for something we might talk about on our next episode is perhaps been the best offensive player in the league so far that's Rashid Tucker Uh, another stellar day for him and picking up the win against Guelph 102 on the ground two touchdowns I'm gonna leave it at that because I'm sure we're gonna get into that game off the jump once we finish up with that but I mean It's just, uh, you know, we kind of talked about with Trey Ford where you kind of get so used to these performances that it's sometimes easy to not recognize or acknowledge them when they happen. So I'm just not letting another really good Tucker performance go by unacknowledged. Um, Yeah, hell of a game for him. And, and, you know, it was a, a performance where we'll get into it, where Guelph's defense, you know, gave Queens some trouble at times. But Tucker was just solid for them all game
0: long. He's my offensive player of the week. And shout out that Queen's O-line too, which is, uh, you know, over the season obviously ascended to be one of the top groups in the league. So most definitely would be, would be remiss without uh, not mentioning those guys. Uh, my offensive player of the week, you know, I'm going with Clay Sequeira. Um, You know, you're looking at the stat line. Maybe he's not going to jump out to you as sort of player of the week stuff. 20 to 35, 244 and a, and a passing touchdown there as well as a rushing touchdown. But Zach, just being able to take in this game, I mean, the degree of difficulty on these plays and and throws, you know, scrambling around, throwing on the run, scrambling around for touchdowns, um, I mean, it, it was really impressive stuff and some 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 of the highest quality um, throws you'll see in this league. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't come out with the win, but I mean, he was just willing them up and down the field all game long. So uh, I felt like I had to shut up that performance to my boy, Clay.
1: No, absolutely, and and I, I love Clay and the Bird Gang, and uh, you know, really strong outing for them, and I say this only because I am. Umpty number of picks behind you right now in our call in our predictions for the season but he had me in fits all through that game because i had carlton for the win and i was just pulling out whatever hair there is left well no hair i'm pulling out my mustache hairs just thinking that oh my god clay is single-handedly gonna win them this game and he darn near nearly did hell of a performance uh for clay who do you have on defense
0: nate on defense you know Again, we'd be remiss without shouting out the Windsor defense, Um, you know, maybe not having uh, the best game from sort of a yardage standpoint, but obviously we're able to generate a few turnovers with that Mac offense. So I'm going to shout out Andrew Beattie, six old tackles, TFL, and uh, one of the three picks that they had. So um, just sort of, you know, one of the leaders on that defense that really uh, led that performance and sort of the turnovers they were able to uh, conjure up there.
1: Yeah, no, definitely deserving uh, of the shout out for B and that defense as a whole. Uh, Bennett Vanny, another really strong performance. I think he's somewhere in the top five in tackles in the OEWA right now. Um, and, and he was, I, I was thinking of Vanny on, on the pick for that one. I'm going to go with, uh, I guess I'm going with another Gale here. Uh, Eric Johnston, three TFLs, two sacks on the day. Um, you know, as we'll get into it, obviously that, you know, a low-scoring defensive beat-em-up game, which we kind of predicted, yet we didn't really predict when we put out our over-under, but, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm almost wondering now if, you know, going back to 2019, when Federico really started to have his breakout year, and obviously Cam Lawson was still there in the middle. And I remember talking with Fetty about how much, you know, all the attention that Lawson draws gives other guys the opportunities to eat, and it's funny because I just I feel now that Federico is taking on that role where he garners so much attention that not to say Eric Johnston or any of these other guys making plays for Queens on that D-line in that front seven aren't capable of doing all things being equal. But you know what? Luckily for them, because, you know, they're trying to win games. Things aren't equal. They have a stud in Federico that is gonna garner more doubles, more chips by running block running backs, and uh yeah, great outing by Johnson there. Um, we'll get into that game briefly. Special teams, I'll start us off here. I'm gonna give my uh my player of the week to Brandon Forcier, kicker for the Carlton Ravens, rookie, only two for two on this game. But you know, of course, in a game that finished 27-24, you couldn't be more clutch in hitting both those field goals, but more importantly um ca is now 8 for 8 to start his career for carlton which is in fact a ravens record so shout out for him, to him for you know not only hitting these clutch field goals in tight games when they matter but just being consistent as all heck and um you know it, being a kicker is so much pressure every time you go out to perform uh, so let alone as a first year i can only imagine what that feels feels like so shout out to 4CA. who, who
0: do you got nate yeah, we'll stick with kickers. Uh, this is more of a non-conventional pick. Uh, this is not for the numbers, but this is just for sheer, you know, iron will. Um, I'm going to go with Dante Mastro Giuseppe from York. Um, and for, you know, anyone who watched the game, you'll understand why I picked him as, you know, at, at some point through the game, pulled some kind of muscle or, you know, in his leg and, and somehow managed to gut out, you know, seemingly with the whole second half on one leg as a kicker. It just, it didn't make sense to me watching this guy limp out and limp back every single time and still, you know, providing serviceable kicks in the game. So that was just something, you know, I found to be outrageous from the weekend and something that I think needed to be brought up. Um, So Dante, you know, shout out to you because I could not believe my eyes when I kept seeing you trot out there to kick the ball. So. big ups to you yeah no Dante when he's healthy dispels the
1: myth that kickers can't be good athletes because he absolutely is and then when he's not healthy like we saw in this game dispels the myth that kickers aren't football players or aren't tough because yeah it's as gutty as a performance um as as you'll see it really at any position you know it's really kind of the context matters I, I get it of, of what you're doing but you know based on what he has to do and going out there with you know, whatever that injury was I mean that's that takes guts. And, uh, yeah, I, I, good job by you shouting him out because that was a, a hell of a performance. Um, but i will take us into our first uh, recap. We'll start with our game of the week, the Battle of the Alma Maters. Where my Guelph Griffins went to visit your Queen's Golden Gales in, sorry, what what, what are we
0: calling Richardson Stadium again? The best stadium in all of U sports? The best stadium in is, all Is of that sports. up for debate, Zach? I want to know what your opinion is on that.
1: Uh, you know, I, if we're talking you sports, I'll admit I haven't had the 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 privilege of of experiencing, you know, everything this great country and all these great programs from C to C to C have to offer. If we're sticking strictly in Ontario, I mean, it's it's hard. It's going to be hard to challenge that. I mean, hey, the, the house that Stu Lang built. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, so anyways to the action we had the Gales knocking off the Griffins 14 to eight the lines for this game we had Queens minus five and a half they covered on that one the over under kind of alluded to this one in the preamble but uh you know <laughs> not our finest work we set it at 43 and a half um which you know what like uh, that's egg on our face across the board because we both took stock in both of these defenses yet somehow we picked a fairly gaudy line for that one so you know we'll have to go back to the drawing board uh (laughs) on that one and for our player props uh we did a shout out to the hoggies and you mentioned them when i was bringing up rasheed tucker's performance uh the queens o-line over under on the pancakes we set that at four and a half and you know the official word from queens is that they racked up 14 on the day so you know once again uh, maybe we we did a bit of a disservice in, in how we set that line, but you know, good job by them across the board. So let, let's get into the action. You know, the, the first thing that stood out in this was when the 55 man rosters came out, was seeing Sean Law back in there, and and the way it was positioned on the roster, it didn't actually look like he was going to start. But you know, obviously, him back in the fold, maybe still nursing that injury, gonna get a see an appearance from him when. You know, the, the lights were shining the Bryce at Richardson. We did see him trot out to start the game. And and it, you know, the big thing, and, and, and real quick shout out to Coach Joe Demore, the former coach at Windsor, who was all in our threads covering those games on Friday night, which, you know, thank you, coach, because it's, you know, you definitely have more insights than I do on this game. I, I'm I won't I won't speak for you, Nate. I know you quarterbacks are pretty clever, uh clever clever guys there. But, you know, as he was highlighting throughout the game, one thing Guelph was really hurting themselves with was not having a deep threat. So Sean Law back, they have that deep threat you could see as we talked about in that Western game really going with those corner routes, those deep corners to guys like Keandre Smith, Clark Barnes and it looked like that, that was back. But unfortunately Law didn't last too long in this one and uh it, it kind of became, you know, a bit of a a rinse and repeat for Guelph. Um what what are your thoughts on this one um You know queens guelph what are we taking away from this performance here from these teams
0: well it's hard to go into it without talking about the guelph quarterbacks and you know you mentioned sean law and i obviously they switched quarterbacks you know um i think midway through the second quarter and through in deandre rose and i i couldn't tell you if that was a product of injury or a product of play you know i thought early in the game guelph had a couple really good drives um that maybe you could argue should have been capped off with touchdowns. It it seemed like uh, the golf game plan was to take some shots, you know, on those field goal routes. And, and, you know, my boy Thompson McCallum's out there playing uh field corner and they tried to go over the top of Clark Barnes, um, both throws into the end zone, one on the left side, one on the right side, both fell incomplete and kind of that was sort of, you know the the omen early on in the game i think um because Guelph was moving the ball early in the game um and sort of not being able to cap off those drives really hurt them going forward um and you know after those couple drives ended and sort of the juice stopped to flow for the offense it became pretty difficult until late in the game and you know they were able to move ball up points but that Queens defense you know we've mentioned it before just the red zone defense i mean it's unbelievable
1: Definitely. And, you know, we'll obviously get to the Windsor-Mac game shortly, kind of reminiscent a little bit of what Windsor was doing. You kind of set that up a bit where it's like, you know, uh, and Mac more so than Guelph were racking up yards, but that, you know, possible sixes were turning into threes or turning into nothing at alls. and, you know, as a quick kind of aside, I thought about this at one point when Sean Law was still in the game. He pulled a little Mahomesian little flip pass. I forget who the target was. And, uh, you know, the the commentator referred to it as as a, as a Brett Farvian kind of play. And I was thinking that that's kind of a bit of a, a generational thing that when you see a quarterback make that kind of play, who's the first sort of. Reference that comes to mind. Are you thinking Favre or are you thinking Mahomes? Just a neat little thing to keep uh, uh you know, just keep them back in the mind for 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 when that comes up. Thought that was kind of nifty. um But no, yeah, you, 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 uh, man, you're you're totally right. And you know, the thing with the thing with the Guelph defense in this one, and obviously I shouted out performance by Tucker, is that you know we've talked a lot about how well AJ Allen's performed this year, and obviously as we said, that Queen's O line was you know, quite literally running guys over. Um, But it felt like Queens was, I really liked their offensive play, their offensive kind of overall game planning because AJ had to miss some series with, I'm not sure what the injury was. And as soon as he was out, what were they doing? They were going right up the gut and they were scorching them. I think actually one, if not both of Rashid's touchdowns, I'm not sure AJ was in for, might've been in for one of them. And then, you know, towards the end of the game, too, once, you know, they're kind of in holding on that lead, they're really doing a great job of, you know, just chewing down the clock and just chunking the ball down the field in the best way they can. So, you know, that for that Queens offense, you know, and obviously this goes to the credit of a guy like Flax and, and sort of coordinating that offense, um, you know, a, just a strong performance overall overall. Um, Just in a game that you know as we thought was going to be a a defensive battle but making sure that they were picking their spots you know keenan ended up on the day 18 for 24 two interceptions um but you know nonetheless he obviously don't love the picks but still just doing what he needed to
0: do to to help them get the win you know well i'll say this about queens too and like we've found them in this position over and over again seemingly kind of in the lead early and And that's why I was kind of, you know, it would have been interesting to see if Guelph was able to convert those early drives because we haven't really, you know, we saw them down a touchdown or a couple of field goals early to Carlton in the first game of the year, but we haven't really seen them play from behind at all. So, you know, I don't know if we'll see that in the next two weeks against both the Ottawa teams, but that'll be something to keep in mind going into the playoffs that, you know, this team might not be used to sort of playing from that behind position, um, you know, and just kind of, mentioning another thing about Keenan, obviously seeing two picks, not great. You know, one was at the end of the half, kind of trying to make a play. I'll give him kind of a break on that. Um, Guelph defense did some good things. He was sort of holding the ball a lot early in the game, but I felt as it progressed and um, you know, I'm going to hark back to some more uh, coach Pat lessons here. And it was, you know, what he used to always say is as you start growing up as a quarterback, You know, it goes from you're making your reads, you're making the throws, and then you reach a point where you begin to start playing the game now. Okay, so what do you mean by that? It means essentially, you know, you're in control, right? You know, Keenan, obviously, a few times he got pressure, a few times he got sacked, was never phased, threw a pick, didn't get phased. A couple really high-quality throws downfield in this one. You know, the one that burned down the right side sticks out to me. Another one where he scrambled left and hit Falcone on the run. Uh, That was a tremendous play. So, um, you know, again, we talk about the offense and maybe not needing Teetan to come through that much. But I think, you know, I was really impressed from what I saw from him this week. And, you know, it gives me a lot of hope for this Queens team because I think going into this week, people probably thinking, oh, Queens is four and all, but they're playing in the East and there's no one else over 500 in that division, right? So it's what are we supposed to make of this team? And I think this week kind of shows some people, oh, well, maybe we should start thinking about them in this Yates Cup game against whoever comes out of that West side. I don't think that's you know crazy to think anymore. Um, I think as we progress further through the year, I think we'll see some some more and more people jumping on that Queens bandwagon. Well, I think
1: whether it happens or not, I think just based on the evidence we have, even when even if you were to look at the West, like it's such a crapshoot of who you think is going to come out of there. So, like, if someone was, if you're going to ask me to put down money on who I think, if I was going to pick one team to be in that game right now, Queens is the only team that just has consistently performed. And you know, you mentioned the piece on on Keenan not having to do too much, and that was part of. My thinking in in buying stock into that Guelph run defense is that if they could force it to be, you know, James Keenan, you're going to have to beat us on this one, um, that that could have caused trouble for them. Um, And we'll see, because no doubt, I mean, hey, who knows, maybe Tucker will just keep, I think on the year, his average is something like 130 yards per
0: game or something gaudy like that. He's 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 tied. He's number one in youth sports and yards per game and number one in rushing touchdowns.
1: So, you know what? Maybe he will literally just carry this Queens team to a Yates by himself and and, and no shot at Keenan in saying this, but that Keenan will just be able to continue kind of facilitating that offense, getting better each and every week. Um You know, also though for Guelph on defense, um, you know, shout out to Christian Stewart, really good game for him, three and a half sacks on the day as well, and and a guy for Queens, uh, Ethan Martin had a solid game, but, uh. a very clear pick six that uh wasn't able to uh hop and slip through his hands on there he's got to get a little more Where's who's in charge of the stick at queens who, who
0: who's handing that out Nate? very funny zach very funny we we abide by the rules we, we just maybe you know need to soften the the, the inflation of the ball <laughs> we oh
1: we're going to inflation now eh? okay all right well we'll have to follow up on that as the year progresses but you know what um an enjoyable game. Uh, solid broadcast. The Queen's broadcast is really good, and all reports from Richardson was that it was a a, a really engaged crowd. Is the was the hundredth year of football at Richardson, and that was I guess this was the game they were sort of choosing to sort of celebrate that fact. So beautiful night of football in Kingston, and uh, you know, good for Queens to to get the win in celebration of all those things. And, uh, you know, just they keep on rolling. So we'll see how they go. uh, And we'll talk about their next week's matchup in our pod later in the week. But we'll put a bow on that one for now. And we'll slide on over to our second game in the Friday night matchups. We had U of T visiting the Carlton Ravens. Carlton picking up the victory 27-24. Carlton was a minus three and a half favorite on this one. So not quite fitting the bill on that uh, on that pick there, over under on this one, 39 a half points. So you're safe on the over if you took that. And then we had Danny McWherter over under on picks at a half. He could not steal the ball from Clay or anyone on the bird gang. So under on that one. So this was an interesting game. Um as we kind of set up a little uh in, in talking about Clay's performance had me uh having picked Carlton very nervous in this one though at the end of the day i wouldn't have been too upset at the end of it all um to see uft pick up the win um you know talk about clay's performance strong outing 20 for 35 the one touchdown you know not a ton of yards rushing but as you kind of mentioned just making plays with his feet by escaping pressure and throwing on the run um but I'd say also a, a pretty strong performance by Reed uh, Van Kunem. I'm still not sure if I'm saying his, his, his name correctly, but obviously for the Carlton, the big story right now for them is well, as it's been for the last week and a half, two weeks, where no Taran de Young, how does that cap their ceiling? And, you know, not a performance that's going to, you know, garner all star votes or anything like that. But for his efforts, 12 for 18, 185 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And, you know kind of going back to that formula that we talked about for queens to have success where probably not the case if tanner's still in there but you know given the sort of the drop off you have now that this is a team that's still really capable with a str- with a really strong running attack so for reed to be able to have that type of performance to you know play relatively mistake-free football and allow Nathan Carter allow Josh Ferguson to put up the games they did Nathan ending up going 20 attempts for 109 and a touchdown again Ferguson 12 touches for 58 um no touchdowns for himself so you know shout out to Reed for you know uh, a a stronger performance than the Panda and obviously you know more experience for him just getting more comfortable in there what what are your thoughts coming out of this one
0: um you know it's kind of interesting kind of I don't want to call it necessarily a queen's formula but the, I think there's some similarities in sort of what they want to do I mean you look and kind of the key whenever you're playing with a young quarterback is you have to keep him in manageable situations um obviously and you know it was a bit difficult to do that in kind of the rain last week for Carlton but I thought this week they did a pretty good job you know keeping him in second and medium second and short situations the running game obviously had a large part to do with that and you know he was there when they needed him to be so I mean for a team like Carlton, obviously, like you said, where does this cap their ceiling? I mean, I still think, obviously, in this Eastern Conference, they have the capability to at least get to the conference title, right? I mean, given the way they've played so far this year and with Van Conen, that's definitely a possibility, especially after watching this game. So i will be interesting to see how it develops going forward, but you see kind of a new identity and sort of offensive formula for this team that they should be able to follow going forward. Um might be a bit tough tough to establish the run against Queens next week, but alas, we'll see. No, I no, you're
1: certainly right there. On T's front, I, I feel bad that it took me over half the season to realize that Malcolm Campbell's back for them on defense, um, which in part. Maybe speaks to the fact that his just overall production's been a little less than what you know we've come to expect throughout his his great career. but you know for those who, who might forget Malcolm, you know, one of the best dNs uh, during his time or you know, I mean obviously he's still doing his time with UFt um but for his first four years and then was drafted by I think Hamilton in the 2020 or 2021 CFL draft so um you know uh my apologies to the UFT community and to Malcolm that took me so long to realize that hey that is the number four that I, I think I see out there uh from years past um and for his efforts and it got a sack on the game today as well um you know we obviously talked about um a cut when you know highlighted a couple kickers in our special teams uh players of the week um including one of the kickers from this game and brandon forcier um and i know we've talked about chris mcclain before but i mean at, at this point like and you've been much closer to this team in recent years than, than i have you know he, he he does the chris he pulls the chris mcclain he, he just he gets a was a 30 yard run sets up uft for i think the the play where Clay ended up scrambling, running it in for himself, uh, late in the third or in the fourth. Oh, <laughs> do you have a sense of like, is he just like kind of you know you're kind of mentioning that that piece about the you know a quarterback at a certain point you just you play the game you just kind of you know you're Neo in the Matrix you're just seeing it you know is, is that just like McLean where it's like hey if you see if you see something you're in there you have that ball in your hands you kick it you run it you you
0: you know best when the moment's there like this guy. <laughs> he's an animal yeah i couldn't tell you for sure but i think if i heard this is not my stat but i heard on the carlton broadcast that going into this game he was their leading rusher i think (laughs) which is just an insane stat and maybe highlights a problem for toronto but i mean still just a crazy stat um so definitely like uh, you know, has, they figured something out and we'll see it, The teams probably should start <laughs> accounting for that, whether it's a spy or, you know, maybe just rushing the kicks from now on, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops going forward. Um, I guess just in terms of the, the U of T offense, I know. I mentioned this in the preview of kind of, it was a lot of Corby last week and uh, it's, I'm seeing some progress here for this team, obviously 11 points in each of their first two contests this week, 24, obviously much better. And, you know, you see several guys on the stat sheet. whether it's Ethan McKinnon, you know, a great young receiver, Lovegrove's on the board, Corby's on the board, you know, they tried to get Alan Williams involved in the past game to varying success. He had a couple drops, but, you know, you see kind of this offense evolving and it's showing some promise. And I think even late in this game, you know, highlighting something that I noticed um, was, um, on that last U of T drive where they ended up having to, to settle for the field goal to tie the game, I believe. And then there was a pass interference in the end zone um, for the university of Toronto on the corner route where they thought they were going to get the ball first and goal, but the refs proceeded to pick up the flag. So yeah. really kind of took some wind out of the sales. The U of T obviously Carlton was able to go down and kick the winning field goal, but I just seen, you know, a couple of calls earlier in the game that were very similar to that, that Carlton had gotten on their offensive side of the ball. So, you know, I think U of T obviously heartbroken, but I feel like they're leaving this game thinking, okay, you know what, we've got those two York games coming up. And then obviously one in the middle, that's a bit tougher. I think, I believe it's Guelph. Um, Yeah. But I think their office made a lot of progress in this game. And I think, you know, if it continues to evolve, then, uh, Maybe they'll be okay for the playoffs, you know, <laughs> whether it's York or Toronto, both those teams, you know, a rare opportunity to kind of get a, get a playoff berth there. So both those teams will be interesting to watch them going forward. No doubt. And, uh, you know, it, it's
1: kind of, kind of mentioned this in talking about Queens where, you know, the 4-0 record with, oh, well they're in the East and, you know, I'm sure people are maybe even going to throw out like, you know, Guelph is the team doing these crossover games and Queens and Queens beats them. And now maybe the narrative turns into, Oh, maybe Guelph's just not actually that good. So for, you know, talking about Toronto, the York games and the Guelph, I mean, you know, by the end of next week, York and Guelph could both just be one in three teams. So, I mean, as far as what we can just discern from the record purely, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing in all, in both these divisions is that like, with the remaining weeks, there's still so much room for change, um, so we'll we'll see where this one takes us. Um, but then, just kind of wrap that one up. Uh, Carlton now sitting at two and two, UFT at one and two in the uh, in the East standings in the OUA. So we'll we'll put a wrap on our Friday games. Move over to Saturday. The first one we will cover is the upset of the week. With the is Windsor. it an upset, Zach? Is it okay. an upset
0: still? <laughs> Let's address this.
1: Let's address <laughs> all, right, it. all right. Well, so we had Mac at Windsor losing in overtime, 27 to 24. And you, you bring up a great point. Uh, you know, I, I think I said this in some version on our last episode or the last review episode that the only thing I'm comfortable saying I know at this point is I know nothing at all. Um. So, fair point.
0: Uh, You know, but I don't know. Well, well, it's the yeah. stat. I think it's the stat that, you know, I think we saw the Persevere account post that it was Windsor had not beaten Mac since, I believe, October of 1996. And obviously it was very funny seeing some some current players tweeting out how old they were um the last time that happened. Yeah. Many of them not even being In more negative years. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. I myself only a few months old at the time. So I guess from that perspective. That's a pretty big deal. And from the perspective that,
1: you know, I mean, I know a lot of people had fun of just invoking the, the whatever the the fancy term is, the transient property of, well, if such a team beat such a team and then that team beat this team and da-da-da-da-da, what does that mean? And ultimately kind of leads me back to my conclusion that I know nothing. But, you know, we had Mac with, you know, uh, such a strong performance against Waterloo, a Waterloo team that pretty comfortably took down Windsor week one. You know, you mentioned Persevere's account. Deshaun uh, had an interesting tweet he put out in saying that, you know, that Windsor team week one, you know, doesn't really reflect how they performed since and, and no doubt that's a very valid point. Um you know just real quick, just kind of covering some of the lines on this one. So once again, 27 24, we had Windsor plus seven and a half. So they're picking up the win. So if you took Windsor on that one, you're good there. Over under set at 45 and a half, uh good there on the over. And then we had Bennett Vanny, a guy we mentioned again as a possible contender for defensive player of the week on the over under for tackles at seven and a half. And he was comfortably over that total Picking up eleven, um. But kind of going back to this kind of narrative: is this an upset? Is this just two evenly matched teams that, you know, were uh, <laughs> as Nate shakes his head at that notion. Um, you know, I, I Mac kind of gets the Plaxico Burris Award for this one for shooting themselves in the leg. I mean, you know, eighteen penalties, one hundred thirty-six yards—a very un Duick performance in with three interceptions. I mean, as you mentioned, on the whole, still putting up good yards, Um, but there's just so much where, and maybe maybe that's to Windsor's credit. Maybe they have, maybe their secret sauce is like kind of this mind trickery that they can just bring out the worst in their opponents, and maybe that is to their credit. And then still capitalizing, you know, we talked about, you mentioned uh, David Adirond, uh for his performance in there last week. And, you know, he Adoran all over the field again for them. Um, pardon my awful puns there. Um, and uh, what well, looks like a pretty solid offensive line. And, you know, we talked about Queens' old lines looking pretty strong. I've talked a bit about liking Waterloo's O line and we've seen how that's, you know, brought them success. Um and, and Western as well. So I mean obviously the solid O line play is gonna, you know, help out all facets of your offense. But I I I don't know. I i pass the mic to you with my my hands still you, you know Talladega Knights. I don't know what to do with them. They're just where do
0: they go? What do I do? Uh I don't know. <laughs> well I mean as we talked kind of before recording, this was a very strange game. Um, obviously, looking at the game flow and kind of how the scoring developed through course, you kind of get somewhat of an idea. Um, very cagey affair early on. Um, you know, the 11 points that Windsor put up early, completely fueled by the defense, um, came off those Mac interceptions there. And honestly, through seemingly the majority of the game, the Windsor offense couldn't really do anything um until they absolutely needed to um but then you have the mac offense and kind of after that 11 point windsor jump at the start mac starts getting into the game and sort of watching this live is kind of like yeah okay maybe we're returning back to ah, a little sense of normalcy here it's, it's time for mac to dominate and you look at the stats and you think mac had over 500 yards of offense they had the ball for 34 minutes more than Windsor did. It seemed seemingly the Windsor offense was barely on the field the whole game, right? Um, but you know, whenever Windsor kind of needed to come through, the second they went down, that offense kicked in the gear and sort of got them back into the game. Um, and you know, we mentioned the penalties and a, a couple of strange ones down the stretch. Um, and we'd be remiss if we didn't sort of mention um, I guess. The, the, a bit of a debacle in overtime that set up the winning Windsor touchdown. Um, just to give people some context, Mac had kicked the first field goal. Okay. They couldn't get anything going on offense in the first possession of overtime ball goes to Windsor. They score the touchdown. They win, right? First play gets stuffed on the run. It's second and 10. Okay. Mac seemingly jumps off side. Okay. And, I went back on the tape and you know did my uh, little private investigation of the situation. It looked to me as though the Windsor Left Guard moved first. It was very close. But at that point the Mag Bench just had completely lost their minds. And you had, you know, it's still second and 5. They're still in the 30-yard line. You still hold them the field goal it's completely fine. Mac completely loses their heads. A bench penalty a bench, but you managed to get a bench penalty in overtime. Tempers must've been running high from all those penalties and it sets up next play. Boom. Windsor down the seam for, you know, 20 yards and touchdown game over. So, I mean, as much as we want to, you know, and credit to Windsor, obviously taking advantage of their opportunities. I mean, just so uncharacteristic, I think of Mac. and this was a chippy ball game and, and credit to Windsor for getting in their heads. I, you know, that's just sort of the, what happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and and speaking of that touchdown, shout out to Callan Bethune. Not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but you know, a, a beautiful ball, beautiful reception in traffic. Um, you know, he still, as you said, still got to make those plays. Um, you know, that, crazy way to end that game. Um, <laughs> not to sort of in, invoke a perhaps slightly darker time in 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 recent Mac history, but my immediate thought was like. <laughs> Is this, is this the Greg Knox era <laughs> again <laughs> coach bench penalties going on I mean that's not what you expect with when when Potask at the helm not that the penalty was on when I was on him per se um but just the way that he kind of you know run, seems seemingly runs his ship um but you, you bring up a really good point how with that Windsor offense no, maybe not on the whole consistent but I don't know if the word's opportunistic or if it's just clutch. 'Cause, you know, when Mac came out in the second half, and you know, shout out to Justice Allen for, you know, easily his best performance of the day, nineteen carries, hundred and forty eight on the ground, uh, one touchdown. Um but you know, when they came out in the second half, Mac, that is, they were moving the ball. And and right away my thought is, Oh, this kinda actually reminds me of Mac's game last week where Waterloo was a little dodgy in that first half and then, you know, made their halftime adjustments, whatever that means. Um, but then in the second half, they started rolling. It looked like, oh, okay, you know, th- th- this is who we expected to see. Um, but right away, you know, good return for Windsor. I think a couple penalties helped them move downfield. But, like, it was bang, bang, bang. Windsor's in the end zone. And and then as you set, set it up as well, you know, Mac only three on the first overtime possession, but that's still pressure on the other team to perform. And as you said, that second and five, they're on the thirty, should be in range. But
0: you know, this is still the same Mac defense that held Waterloo to fourteen points. There's quality there. I think that, you know to some extent they can be relied upon, right? I, you know, no,
1: absolutely. You know, I, I mean, as far as Mac's concerned, coming out of this one, I, 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 I guess I feel just similarly as we did, as I did after the Western loss, where it's like. You Know definitely some things that uh can be improved on, but on the whole, does this you know make me completely overhaul my thinking about this team that they're not going to be competitive in the west? No, you know, obviously, as of right now, I guess they're technically, yeah, that right now they're fourth in the west behind Windsor, yeah, Windsor 2 1, them at one and two. Um. So for them, I don't, I wouldn't say my opinion has changed all that much because even those penalty like those penalties are very unmarauder like, um, particularly with Patask at the helm. So do I think that's indicative of what's gonna happen with their season? No. Um, for Windsor, I just I, I'm still here with my hands up in the air. I, you know, I, I'm sorry Windsor guys. Like I, I don't mean to disrespect uh, the the efforts you guys put in. I'm loving seeing you guys pick up the wins. You are just you're a hard team to call you're a very hard team to call
0: <laughs> yeah you know what and it, it's I leave these game this game and sort of the back-to-back wins for them and you know, I couldn't tell you if I'm still going to pick them the rest of the season I don't know well, You know what I mean and if I would say <laughs> maybe even probably not but you know what I hope that it fuels your Yates cup run I I would love to see that you know what I mean so Queens, Windsor Yates cup 2021. Is that what's going on this year? Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, and last and last thing I'll say about them real quick. I won't mention him by name. Cause I'm not sure technically if the Western football players are supposed to be using the athletic center, um, <laughs> and not using their own uh, weight room. But I, I did happen to run into, um, a player on Western at the, the Western athletic center the other day, he, uh, spotted the at the 55, uh, hat. I was, I was wearing, um, shout out to him for, for coming over. Uh, and you know we're kind of chopping up a little bit, and you know he was telling me he's, he's like, oh, that Mac Windsor game I think is going to be really tight. I'm thinking like, really, like, I, really? And he's like, yeah, honestly, he's he's like, I he's like, they're going to be our toughest game, our toughest opponent going out. And I was like, all right, fuck off. You play them, then you play Waterloo. You play them again. So like, once again, no disrespect at Windsor, but like, are, are we already thinking that they're a better team than Waterloo? No. No, 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 maybe no, no,
0: no. Well, I mean, Waterloo won the head. So, anyways, you're you're crazy, my, think, my friend. I <laughs> think, yeah, if it, if it was another game similar to Guelph, then maybe, but I just at times in this game, you know, Mac was completely dominant. I mean, the Windsor defense came up in the big situations in the red zone, and uh, you know, a goal line stand or, or two definitely fuels things, and you know, but uh, definitely, I I don't know if I could say they were the better team on the whole of the day.
1: Yeah, no, and, and you know what? We'll end on that note because I forget who had the tackle for Windsor, but it, you know the last field goal that or the last points Mac had in, in regulation um, to give them the lead before Windsor tied it up to send it to overtime. One play in particular where, uh, I'm forgetting who was running it for Mac, I don't know if it was Justice, but a brilliant tackle by the defender on Windsor, taking down right at the one, and ended up holding them to the three points, which, you know, if that's six, that might be the ball game in regulation there, so it, I, I do feel comfortable saying that, you know, about this Windsor team, the defense has been very strong for them, so... Hey, we'll talk about them more. we get into what we're thinking about them going to uh, London to take on Western next week. But we'll move on to our final game of the weekend. The York Lions hitting the road to take on the Ottawa GGs. The GGs, of course, coming off of the great win in the Panda the week before. York coming off the bye, which I think this game, so final score, Ottawa picking up the win 20-17. to I think York... There was a little bit of a trend going on where I'm pretty sure each team that was coming off a bye had picked up the win in the subsequent week. Um, that trend is now over uh, with York losing this one. Uh, the uh, lines we had Ottawa minus two and a half. So the three just gets them over on that one. Over under on the day, 37 and a half. So just a tick under that with 37 points total. And for the player props, Talik Aoman defensive back, four The uh, York Lions, we set his over-under on TFLs at one and a half. He ended up with zero. And just as a little recap of some of the things we've seen from this York Lions team, if you're scratching your head a little bit, thinking like, you know, uh, are are these guys higher geniuses to sort of invoke this fun idea we've been having, uh, taking a defensive back for TFLs. It's like, well, if you're watching what York does defensively, yeah, it's (laughs) expecting DBs to get in the backfield and make plays is, you know, that – that's it's it's expensive. that high because he's done it before more yeah. than once. <laughs> Absolutely, um, you know. I'll, I want to start off kind of giving you the floor, talking about what you saw with with the quarterbacks in this one. Um, you know, Noah Craney, twenty three for thirty eight. 266 yards three interceptions ben miracle 25 for 47 291 one td two interceptions you know on the ottawa side of things you know we've talked a lot about this receiving core for them the performance of estime oladejo tristan park um all three of whom you know pretty you know decent performances um Couple of the, you know, a couple bad drop passes though with that team, and then for the York receiving crew as well, like a lot of really solid guys as well. We talk about the Daily Brothers, Avante McCoy, uh, Apaya Kubi. You know, a lot of talented guys in there. Um, from just the a quarterback watching these performances, what were your takeaway with these two young quarterbacks in a game that uh, you know came down
0: to the legs of the kickers, really? You know, and kind of my lame description would be uh, there are two guys who are still developing, (laughs) and these are passing games that are still developing. Um, Obviously, you look at those completion of attempts totals, um, both of those around 50%. You know, um, those those aren't amazing numbers, um, obviously. And, you know, two guys that are are growing up a bit here in the OUA, and, you know, that's going to show they're going to miss the occasional throw that's going to happen, but in a weird game, you know, Ottawa had a couple drops. York had a couple drops and two offenses that were really kind of finding their footing. And, uh, you know, from that perspective, it was sort of a weird game, but, um, kind of a better from New York offense, I would say for sure. Um, kind of after watching that Carlton game a couple of weeks ago, um, definitely was concerned about sort of the conservative nature of that game plan obviously came out, came out here, throwing the ball quite, uh, quite a bit more um and but that also led to much more risk and obviously you see craney with with the three picks there um one of those being in the end zone that's never a good look for the team obviously and um it's just you know it's it's tough sledding for that york offense so far and um it's better i hope it continues to get better maybe we see some more darnell Jarrett. but um yeah Developing, Zach. Developing. That's that's the word I would use.
1: <laughs> That'll be our word of the day on this game. Uh Ian, we already mentioned, you know, JP Simon Kinda coming off as of his- you know, stellar performance in the panda leaving this game early. Um, after only three touches, Dawson O'Day doing the bulk of the carries for Ottawa, ending up with ninety-two. A good performance by him. And, and you know, mentioning those uh the two picks by Miracle, uh, you know, we'd be doing a disservice to uh to this game to not mention that one of those was returned for six by Mac Banantyne, which at the time looked like that was going to that was the ball game. Um, I was freaking out watching that at home with my dad. I was like, oh my god, this you know, uh. That was uh, you know, York was four points away from making Banantine the 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 defensive player of the week for uh at least for me in this one. Um, but you know what? You know, we we we, we also would be remiss to not talk about what Ottawa was doing on their special teams. Uh, you know, I obviously we talked about Master Giuseppe, uh coming up uh, some type of an injury and gutting it out and all the credit in the world to him for sticking it out. But I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, blocked punts, blocked field goals. And, you know, I I, I can't say I know enough about specials in, in, in watching the game or trying to break down the film to always know, like, well, was that the, the punt block, field goal block unit, you know, putting themselves in a, in a good position or was there a mistake on the kicking team that – gave the opportunity to the other side. I don't know if you have a better insight into sort of which of those it was, but either way, you know hell of a job by that special teams unit, and you know a guy we've talked about as well in campbell fair uh you know ending his day what do we got here one two three, four for six uh on his field goals, which of course in a in a game that ended up as tight scoring as this one I mean that's that's the ball game for them right there so you know shout out to that specials unit for for ottawa do, do you have any insights into
0: kind of you know what you were seeing yeah of course you know uh zach i've never <laughs> s- i've never sat in a special teams meeting in my life man <laughs> and a quarterback too i don't know if there's a worst possible combination for, for some special teams analysis
1: i mean i used to i used to do a little snapping on non-field goals and punts maybe you used to hold a couple i don't i don't know you know but yeah fair
0: enough fair enough but no no yeah I mean it'll it was a heartbreaker for York too I mean you know the we talk about the pick six a bit of a lucky play sort of bouncing off the hands of Dawson O'Day and they sort of get the touchdown to take the lead but a bit of I don't know football gods karma whatever you want to call it Um, seemingly on the last drive returning the favor Ben Miracle throws up a pass that goes right through the hands of a York defender that could have uh, you know maybe sealed the win for York so um, you know I definitely feel like those guys felt like this is our moment you know and if they win this game that's huge for their playoff implications obviously sort of oh yeah you know and they're still sort of the master of their own fate the captains of their own soul going forward with those two U of T games and I that's what that final spot's going to come down to but Definitely reeling a bit after this one, I would imagine. Coming so close to sort of getting their first one of the year and still uh, a big goose egg in that W category.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Maybe we'll save that conversation uh, for when we kind of set up next week's affair. But, you know, uh, you hit the nail on the head massive playoff implications. I mean, because going into this game, Otto is sitting at one and two, York at 0 and two. So obviously the end result going the other way completely swings the tide of of the standing of that, in, in that regard because then we would have had three teams at one and two at the bottom Toronto with the win over Ottawa York with the win over Ottawa so I guess Ottawa would have been last and that would have set up a pretty big to do with the York Toronto game but as you said it's still going to be uh you know as it stands that those two matchups between Toronto and New York I mean as exciting as those always will be I mean it's it's kind of just dawning on me right now as, as the words come out of my mouth. It's actually so sick to think that we're now getting these two York Toronto games. And it's a, you know, I love going to those games in years past, but the fact that we're going to be able to see them and know that this isn't just bragging rights, this isn't just who owns the city. This is one of y'all's making
0: the playoffs for the first <laughs> time. And, uh, you know, you, we have said so many times this has happened for the first time. And for yeah. the first time. And, you know, just another example of those, it's almost like Zach, a bit of, you know, I'm in Europe. It's like a bit of European football, a little two legged tie to decide who goes <laughs> further in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, heartbreak to say the least um, for the lions, but Hey, for, for those of us just tuning in and enjoying the football, it just makes the end of the season all the more exciting um any
0: last notes before we wrap this one up from you nate uh no nah, man just uh just feeling very grateful you know kind of again like we mentioned earlier 4 one score games i a lot of drama coming down to the wire in every single one of these games goal line stands uh penalties people losing their minds turnovers etc cetera, etc cetera. uh please please some more sir well, thankfully, we have a
1: beautiful slate of games coming up next week that we'll be setting up for you later on in the week. And, and and Nate, I'm happy to know that even though they're not celebrating Thanksgiving over there in Vienna, you're still you know holding on that grateful mindset. And, uh, you know, I, I'm right there with you. It's been an absolute joy and a hell of a ride following the season so far. And thankfully, it is not even close to being done. So that'll wrap it up for our week four review here. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at the 55 podcast to follow all the content we're putting out throughout the week. We have the blog posts going up on the website at the 55.ca. You can also buy merchandise there supports the brand Supports Stella's place a nonprofit at Toronto. It helps support young people with their mental health, providing an array of resources Them. So can't wait to talk to you in a few days setting up week five. And until then, we'll see you next time at the 55.